Welcome to the Female Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. This episode is sponsored by my very own DIY PR course, Make Your Brand Magnetic. It walks you through everything you need to know and do to get your brand featured in the media and therefore to get your brand in front of that wider audience in a way that will draw them in and make them want to seek you out to see what you have to offer. If you feel like you're sick of chasing down clients or customers and want for them to instead read about or hear about you and choose to come to you when they're ready to take part in what you have to offer, this course is for you. I created this for all the people who come to me for PR advice, but don't feel like they have the money to hire a firm like mine yet. If you've heard any episodes of this podcast, you've heard me talking about how any of you business owners can do your own PR. It's just a matter of having a guide and knowing exactly what to do when. So if you're not quite to the outsourcing stage, but no PR is something you need in order to grow your business, check this out today. Listeners of the podcast can get 20% off with code FME. So it's a no brainer investment in your biz. You'll find the course on my website, polinapr.com, P-O-L-L-I-N-A-P-R.com. Now on to the show. I'm here today with Laura Bartlett, the founder of House of Coco Luxury Print Travel Magazine and the head of editorial at Boss Babe, which is the number one platform for ambitious females around the world. I'm so excited to have you on here today, Laura. Please say hi and introduce yourself a little bit more than that. Yeah. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah. As you said, I'm the founder of House of Coco. It's a business that I started five years ago this month. And um, this year, I also joined Boss Babe as the head of editorial. I am Leeds born and bred. For those of you in the US that don't know, it's in Yorkshire, in the north of England, and it's basically the best city in the world. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I've never been. I I studied abroad in London, but I never made it up to Leeds. So now I'm feeling like I missed out. Yeah, there are so many people in London that don't make it past the M25, so you're not the only one. Wow. Okay, I'll have to make another trip back, I guess. <laughs> so have you been there for your whole life or, or is yeah, that? forever. Um, I've, I've never left and I don't have any intentions of uh, going anywhere. I wow. travel a lot, but I kind of like to have this as my base and plan to stay here forever, which I don't know if that's sad or really nice. Well, if it's the best city ever, I guess that's great. <laughs> and yeah, it sounds like you travel a lot. So that, I mean, that sounds, it's great to have like a home base that you absolutely love, but also have the ability to travel whenever and wherever you want. So let's back up for a minute. Tell us how you started a print travel magazine. Um, so basically when I was 19, I fell into the world of media. I worked for a local radio station and from there I um, learned about advertising campaigns and working with brands and I was headhunted by a local magazine. So I started working for him, fell in love with the world of publishing and then over a period of time just decided that actually I wanted to be my own boss and I wanted to have my own magazine and given that I'd learned enough from him, I kind of started my own thing, uh, which was actually nine years ago. Um, So I started an online magazine, which was kind of a side hustle. I still worked in radio at the time. And after a year of doing that on the side and getting in trouble by my boss all the time, I decided to quit my job and try and turn it into a business and move into print. So I launched the first fashion magazine for my city eight years ago now, maybe eight or nine years ago. Then it just kind of grew from there. So I went from a Leeds magazine. I went grew into an international magazine. I went on Dragon's Den, which is the equivalent of Shark Tank in the U.S., um, was completely annihilated by some of the dragons, went on to prove them wrong, launched the magazine all around the world. That went wrong, got made bankrupt, the company got shut down. Oh wow! And so five years ago, I started again with my current magazine, which is called House of Coco. 
It's a travel magazine with a team of 50 people now. And yeah, we travel the world every single day, creating content that will inspire our readers to go out there and live their best lives. Oh my gosh, that's such a story. So <laughs> so you had to basically start all over. I mean, I imagine you learned a lot about what to do and what not to do after the first time. Yeah, absolutely. But that must still be scary to be like, let me do it again. Yeah, but it's like, what's the worst that could happen? I think people always go, oh my God, you're so brave to kind of pick it up and go again. But what's the alternative? You know, just sit at home and feel sorry for yourself for the rest of your life or brush yourself off and, and do it again. Yeah, I guess the only there's only up from here, right? Once you've yeah. already kind of had the worst that could happen. Well, yeah, when you're at the bottom, they're literally the only way is up, so... Also, I mean, that sounds like around the time, like even when you were starting, I imagine what they did on the, um, I mean, everyone was so anti-print publications, anti-journalism, like not anti, but, you know, everyone was like, print is dead. Like, because that's around the time, I mean, I was in the School of Communications studying public relations, but there was also a journalism school. And that's around the time I think that I was there and everyone was like, oh my gosh, you're like to people who were studying journalism, you know, there's not gonna be any jobs. There's every all the print publications are totally dying, you're gonna be out of luck and and not be able to do anything. So I imagine people weren't super positive and optimistic about the idea of a magazine, like just started. Exactly, not all. And I guess at the time, everyone was just kind of pushing all their money into online to digital and everyone was saying print is dead. But I feel like um, we've kind of come out of the other side of that now because mm-hmm. there's so much noise online. It's hard to have a voice. It's hard to stand out. And so many print publications have gone bust over the years, which means there are fewer and fewer people on the newsstands, which means if you are on there, you've got more chances standing out and being read. Um, so it's worked in our favor. The more people that have kind of gone along the way just have given us a bigger voice on the newsstands so we feel like um reading magazines kind of encourages me time so mm-hmm. when you read a magazine you kind of take time out of your day you sit down with a cup of tea and you're really kind of having some me time and in the world that we're in right now everybody needs more me time so print is well and truly alive and working for us I love that. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, that totally makes sense. And I think also being very kind of like specific or niche down to like mm-hmm. something like travel, like people who are into that are going to want to have a magazine. Like I think that's how I feel too. Like if it's something I'm interested in, something I want to be learning about or enjoy reading about, I love to have a physical copy of something in my hand to pick up and flip through. And especially something if there's something with beautiful photography and things like that. I'm, I mean, I've always been in that camp because again, I was studying communications. I'm in PR. I obviously love publications and like magazines and all of that stuff. But I feel like more people who even had been going the other way, like I totally see that kind of coming back around. And I think I've seen kind of the resurgence of certain like really specific publications, especially coming up with people who have a specific demographic, a specific target that they're going for. And not so much just being like, you know, a super general news magazine or publication maybe, but something that it's like a topic that certain people really love and they can really target towards them. And then those people have been really receptive to it. So yeah, that's awesome. I agree. I agree. Wow. So tell me more about how you actually run the behind the scenes and what it's like to have what you have now of your staff of like 50 people, you said. Yeah. So we pretty much live a laptop lifestyle. We don't have an office. Um, we don't work nine to five. We just work whatever hours work for each individual. We communicate via our private Facebook group. We get together. Um, We try and get together every quarter, but it's quite hard because everyone's all over the world just so we can have like a Christmas party or um, a celebration or whatever. 
And yeah, literally technology holds us together. We use things like Slack for daily updates on tasks that we need to do in Asana so we can see what everyone's working on. And But yeah, the main thing being our Facebook group, we just communicate in there, um, keep things simple. We're trying to kind of revolutionize the world of print because notoriously a print magazine will have a massive office in central London with an assistant, you know, the editor has an assistant who has an assistant who has a dog and it's lots and lots of irrelevant people doing lots and lots of irrelevant jobs just to rub their ego, but we've kind of stripped it back and just have people doing their job freely as and when they want. If you give people the freedom, they tend to work harder and I don't like to be tied down to one place at one time and I've just kind of spread that vibe to the team and it seems to be working well. I don't think I've stepped foot in an office for about nine years now. Wow. Apart from my home office, obviously, which is where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's awesome. I think, yeah, why have why have all that extra overhead and, you know, rules about people having to come in from nine to five or whatever when you just don't need to and they can still get their job done? Exactly. And I think that's one of the reasons why people have said print is dead or print, you know, a lot of publications have gone bust over the years because they do have so many people doing so many jobs when actually, you know, you know, you know, you don't need stylist who needs an assistant who needs this, who needs that. One of the things that we've, we've used to our favor is working with freelancers, um, you know, just be a bit more smart about what you're doing. And that seems to be, um, that's working for us. Yeah, totally. The industry just needed, you know, you just needed to figure out ways to work better. Yeah. It's not that the industry itself couldn't work. It was just that the way that it was being done didn't make sense anymore. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. So tell me how it works. Cause I find that so interesting. And obviously, I mean, as I alluded to, and, and some people who have listened to the show before probably know I am in PR, I have a PR company. So I'm always reaching out to people, you know, who are writing for magazines and things like that. But I'm curious about how you make it work in terms of like, how do you plan an issue? How do you know what you're going to be, you know, what places to be writing about? Who's going to write about it? Do you have your writers kind of pitch like, oh, I really want to go to this place and write about it. Can I do that? Or do you kind of come up with all of that first and then ask people, to write about certain things like how does that actually work for I think people are like to hear how the behind the scenes kind of yeah okay so each issue which comes out four times a year has a theme so for example the one that we're working on at the moment is the road trip issue so I'll release the theme to the team and say this is the theme um you've got until this date to pitch your ideas for it I then go through all the pitches confirm which ones we're going to go ahead with set the deadline and then everyone just goes off and works on them Obviously, they'll, I'll have to help them facilitate any trips or any you know, review opportunities and stuff that they need to do. But we then will send out this theme to all the PRs and all the brands that we work with and say that this is a theme, you know, and then they'll also pitch ideas to us. So if we get picked, if we get offers for press trips, for example, then the writers can go on those and cover those for the magazine. So it's kind of like I kind of do the initial part of setting the theme. The writers then do the rest of kind of bulking out the content and then everyone just has to submit everything by the deadline. And then they submit it via Google Drive and it's all done online. Mm. So the first time I actually see the magazine is um, when it goes on the newsstands. We sign off all the proofs online and everything. So, and do you have somebody who does like the layout and the formatting and stuff or do you? Yeah. So we have, um, we've got Gillian, she's our designer. We obviously have like a sub-editor as well. So... And then Kaylin, she's one of the girls in the team. She will be the one who will kind of collate everyone's work by the deadline and send that off to the sub-editor. She will then send it off to the designer. And then once it's all designed and finished, it comes to me before we, we send it off to print. Mm, okay. So I just get involved as little as I can. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it, right? Streamline yeah. it. So, but do you do some of the 
traveling and some of the writing or not anymore? Yeah, no, I do. I mean, I, cause we get probably around 10 press trip invites every single week. Um, so I choose the ones that I want to go on first, obviously. And then I share, I share the love with everyone else. So, um, this week we've been invited to the Maldives, to Malaysia, to Sweden, to Croatia. It's just hard to keep up. It's absolutely insane. We get so many invitations. Wow. So which ones are you going to go on now? Well, I was hoping... What are some of the coolest places you've gone recently? Well, the one I was hoping to go on was I was invited with Qatar Airlines on the inaugural flight to Malaysia. Mm. And um, it turns out I couldn't go because I'm actually in Barbados already. So it's like there are worse problems to have. And in terms of where I've been this year and, and where I've loved, I have actually been to Barbados already. I stayed at Sandals and it was probably my favorite trip of the year. But wow. I've done um, a California road trip this year, a road trip through Nevada. Um, I've been to Ibiza, to Dubai, to Verbier. I mean, the list goes on. I think I've been away maybe like nine times. This year? Yeah, I tend to go away like once a month. And then um, in a few weeks' time, I'm going to South Africa. Wow. And that's then that'll so- be the last trip of the year, I think. <laughs> oh my gosh. And where are you going to stay in Barbados ne- this next time that you aren't going to be able to go to Malaysia? Well, we're hoping to get a day pass to go to Sandals because it was too amazing not to. But um, this time we're staying in a villa and it's called Royal Westmoreland. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty much just chilling in a villa for the week, having barbecues, going to the rum shack and drinking lots of rum. Sounds like hell, but you know, one of us has to do it. We have to talk about this more later because um, my husband is actually from Barbados and we're working on building a house that's... Oh, nice. That's going to be... Where about which part of Barbados is he from? He's from Christchurch, but this house is going to be in St. Philip. Nice. Yeah. So we'll talk about it later. (laughs) But um, that sounds awesome. Do you have any travel tips? Like that sounds like so much travel and you must be kind of used to like life on the road to a certain extent. Well, you would think that given how much I've traveled, I mean, in the last five years, I've easily been on, I don't know, 80 flights or something. And I'm still crap at packing. I still leave it till the last minute. My suitcase is still a mess. I still wait a week after the trip to unpack. I've still got stuff in my suitcase from when I got back from Spain a week ago. I should have better tips, but I really don't. I'm terrible at it and I don't know why. I think because I'm, I'm like in my head, it makes sense. I know what I'm doing. I just throw things in at the last minute. Um, so yeah, I'm probably not the best person for tips when it comes to packing. Well, there's a certain certain thing to be said for um, not taking it too seriously. You know, you're not stressing out about it. That means you're just kind of... Yeah, I definitely don't stress out about it. And there's been times when I've missed flights because I've got the day wrong. I missed a flight to New York because it was the day before I thought it was and all kinds of stuff. When I, um, when I went on the road trip to California earlier on in the year, I took three of the girls from the magazine and me and my boyfriend decided to go out and get drunk the night before. I got home at three o'clock in the morning and we had to leave at 5am. And so when my friend knocked on the door for me to leave at 5am, I just rolled out of bed, extremely drunk still, and threw stuff in a suitcase, left all my new clothes behind. And I thought, I'll just have to work it out when I get there. I was too hungover to care. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of regretted it once I opened up my suitcase, once I got to California and I'd left like all my new swimwear at home. But Oh no. (laughs) All part of the story. But yeah, and it all still worked out, right? You got this, yeah. you got everything you needed in terms of the story. I have my passport on my purse. I'm not really bothered. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell me another like kind of logistical question. I'm curious when people invite you on these trips. I mean, you said one was like the airline that invited you. Do people, are people usually paying for the airfare and like the hotel or whatever it is that they want you to be doing or like what kind of, tell me a little more about like what the trips are like. 
So it depends what trip it is. So, for example, the one that I mentioned to Malaysia with Qatar Airlines, that's um, the airline that are promoting their new flight to that destination. So they'll pay for our writer to fly out with them. They'll arrange their you know, transfers, their hotel, their dinner. They want us to have like the best possible experience on their behalf so that we obviously write something epic in the magazine. Right. Um, then it could be just you know a hotel review. That, then we might have to sometimes work with our flight partners instead to get the flights. Um, but everything is always covered. So when we send our writers around the world, they don't have to pay for anything. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> How have you ended up finding most of your writers or most of your staff, even not the writers? Like, Because I know that can be one of the hardest things, about, especially about expanding a team, is finding the right people. Do you have any, any things that you've figured out over time with that? Well... I've been burnt a lot with people that are brought into the business because I know that I'm an honest person and I'm really kind of generous and, and giving and I assume everyone else is the same and I don't, don't feel the need to tell any lies. And for example, I hired someone last year and she was on a salary way more than I anticipated paying her, but given her background, I thought she was going to be really good. And after three months, I found out that actually she wasn't even making any calls or trying to do anything and she was actually just taking money off me and so after that I felt like it was a massive setback I struggled to trust people and I mean still to this day I haven't actually replaced her position because I've just thought I can't put myself through that again but you can't let one person ruin it for everyone else and like you know one bad apple doesn't mean that everyone is so I'm still learning that now yeah yeah that can be definitely one of the hardest things I think especially because yeah, you just don't really know what someone's going to be like, and especially what their work ethic is going to be like until they've actually kind of started, no matter what kind of interview process you do or application process or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. But the flip side of that is when you do find someone amazing and they get your vision and they, you know, they're all about your vision and they're, they're on board with everything, then that's great. You can't let those people go. But I think one of the things that I probably struggle with is the the line between boss and friend. So when you do have someone in your business for a long period of time, it's just natural that you become friends with one another. Um, but then when you become friends with someone, then the you know they can tend to start slacking on their job, keeping that level of professionalism and that kind of barrier between. Yeah, we can still kind of talk like friends, but ultimately I'm your boss and I'm paying your wages, and there is a job to be done. Yeah. So I think if that was any advice I was going to give to anyone is be, you know, be aware of that boundary that needs to be set. Yeah, totally. That's a good one. And from a business standpoint, do you make most of the money from like for the actual magazine? Are you selling advertising and, and getting, you know, the newsstand price? Is that kind of like the traditional magazine business model or do you guys have anything else? Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. So all of our money comes through advertisers and um, we have like app downloads where that we get a kickback from that and obviously money from the magazine on the newsstands. But the cover price, because we work with a distribution company that don't charge us, they take 50% of the cover price. Mm. Uh, the magazine retails at four ninety five, But you don't actually see the money of that until 200 days later. So it's almost like a year after the magazine has been on the newsstand is when you see the wow. result. It's a bit of a weird thing. But the digital downloads on the app, they're just something that kind of come to us every quarter. So 
Okay. So the magazine is available on an app as well. Do you have a website too? I should. Yeah, it's literally just houseofcoco.net. And then if you also just go in the app store and and type in House of Coco, then you can download the app and all the back issues are on there. Um, But kind of going back to what we were saying before, I know, obviously, I mentioned that I'm head of editorial at Boss Babe as well. And each magazine has a theme. Our latest issue is actually the Boss Babe issue where we interviewed Natalie and Danielle from Boss Babe and Boss Babes from around the world. So if anyone is going to download the app, that's definitely an issue to check out. Oh, totally. Is that what's out right now? That's out right now. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. This episode is probably going to go live like in two weeks. So I think it'll still be applicable. So yeah, yeah, anyone who's listening, go check out that issue right now. Okay. But you said it's only on, it's newsstands in England or is there anywhere? Like, obviously I'll look at it online. I'll get the app. Is there Thank anywhere? you. Yeah. So um, in yeah. the stores in London, but we're also okay. on newsstand.co.uk. So they ship okay. worldwide. Oh. So oh. they're like our online stock is to ship anywhere in the world. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely check it out. I love Boss Babe. I think that's it. <laughs> Let's, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to shift gears too much, but do you want to t- tell us a little about how you got involved with Boss Babe and, and what you do there, because that's also amazing to me. Thank you. So Danielle, who's one of the co-founders, sent me a message on Facebook because we've been following each other for a few years, just telling me that they're looking for someone to help them with their online blog and kind of how they can monetize that. And obviously she, she knows that I work in publishing. Is it something that I could maybe get on board with? So um, after a few chats, I joined the team in May and my kind of job was to rebrand it from a blog into a magazine. I've grown a team of contributors. I've taken it from making zero pounds to, you know, five figures. And uh, yeah, my plan really is just to grow the team, grow like all the sponsored content and create, you know, campaigns and ideas and things like that. But they're, they're a really cool team to work with because obviously having had my own business for nine years, it's been a lot of just doing things by myself. So it's been great having like a sounding body and um, a team of other inspiring women to bounce ideas around with and, and they obviously know what they're doing and it, I've, I've learned a lot from working with them so yeah I'm really grateful for the opportunity yeah that sounds like if you're gonna if you're gonna join any team that sounds like probably the best one you could to me <laughs> I mean, sounds awesome so where would people see that is that on the, the main boss babe website yeah um, literally just on bossbabe.com there's um you can check out the the magazine there well the blog under the blog and all the headers and stuff okay cool we have new content going out every day so you sound like you must be really busy that sounds like <laughs> Sounds like a lot that you're doing. I don't, feel, I don't feel like I am. I definitely feel like I could probably do more. I don't know, but um, wow. I don't feel busy. I think if you just actually have focused hours where you actually work and then you, you give yourself, you know, weekends off and you don't get consumed in it. Because when I first started, I would literally be, I'd sit at my desk for like 12 hours a day and that would be my life. But over the last sort of few months, I've taken my foot off the gas a little bit. And, you know, you're always, always striving for the next thing, the next goal. And actually, when do we actually stop? and you know, reap the rewards of what we've done. Mm-hmm. So for the last sort of four or five months, I've just been pretty chilled and not striving for the next thing and just enjoying where I'm at. And that's been fun and that's been great. But I've come out of the other side of that now and I'm ready to kind of step it up a gear before we go into the last quarter of the year. Oh, yeah. Do you have ideas for what that means? Like in or like new projects or just kind of the way you're doing what you're doing? Just, just mainly um, getting the team of people running the magazine without me is the main thing because I want to go off and do my own projects outside of the magazine yeah ah so how do you schedule how do you kind of like manage your day-to-day right now like do you have I know you said like take weekends off and stuff but what does your actual like day look like are you working five days a week do you try to do less than that 
yeah, I do work five days a week, but not every single week. There'll be some days where I might just decide to lay in bed all day or there'll be days where I'm just, you know, at a spa or I'm traveling or whatever. So it depends. So this week, for example, I mean, one of the things I think is really important is routine. So my morning routine would be I wake up without an alarm naturally around six o'clock. I will do a meditation, have a bath, read my book and then turn my phone off airplane mode because I don't want to have my morning run by everyone else's notifications. So I think it's important to do your own thing before you start checking your phone and then get to work around nine o'clock. Maybe I'll go to the gym. Maybe I won't. <laughs> and then get to work around nine, break off for a walk around the lake um, at the local park around one, then come back, carry on for the afternoon and then stop. But with, with what I do, there are so many random things that can pop up. So you know, you might get an invitation to a dinner at the last minute that night. So you might plan to work till five, but get invited out till four. And you just got to be flexible and go with it. There's loads of fun opportunities that pop up. But then there are other ways that I've been trialing and working as well, where, you know, over the course of the week, you might have five different things that you need to get done. And instead of trying to do a bit of that each day, I just dedicate a full day to each thing. So it all gets done by the end of the week instead of trying to get a little bit of everything done by the end of each day. Mm-hmm. And that works quite well too. I've tried to do things like that too. I find it's so hard. I mean, I think mine's, my job is probably kind of similar in some ways, just in terms of like I'm working with the media. So things will pop up at the last minute too. So I try really hard to kind of go through different stages where I try different strategies like that. But then I'll find like, you know, I'm like, oh, this is my day for doing this type of task. But then a client will call with something that needs to like be taken care of right away and everything goes on. And then you forget what you're even working on. Yeah, I have to totally switch gears. And so I, I go back and forth with trying to do it like that and not. But yeah, it's it's tricky to figure out like the best, kind of most efficient, but also most, I don't know, just way that feels good for working and getting everything done without being stressful or feeling like you're squeezing things in. I love your mindset of, yeah, not too busy. Could could be doing more. Because <laughs> I feel like most people are like, oh, I'm always constantly swamped. Like, you know. I think like biz- being busy seems to be like a badge of honor now. Everyone, want- everyone thinks if they say that they're busy, then it means that they're successful. But the two don't go hand in hand. Like you could be busy, but you're not being productive. Like that's two different things. Yeah, I totally agree. I, w- I would rather work with somebody who says that they're not feeling that busy because honestly, it probably means they're more efficient at what they're doing because like you can get so much more done in so much less time than, than what most people I think sometimes make it, you know, take up. And if somebody can get the same thing done in way less time, I think that's much smarter and a better way of doing it. I agree. So take me back again for a second. How old were you when you first started your first magazine or the first publication that you started? I was 21. Wow. No, sorry. I was 23, actually. But my first company was actually when I was 19. I, um, I sold handbags. I had a company called Handbag Heaven. Oh, and wow. I started with 100 quid. I bought some wholesale handbags. I sold them via my Facebook page back in the day when actually you could run a business through your Facebook page when if you had 1,000 followers, 1,000 people would see what you posted. The 100 pounds turned into 400 pounds in the first week, and I just kept reinvesting it that way. And then I actually had a shop in, in a different city over, over the Christmas period. And then I realized that actually retail was definitely not for me. And um, yeah, so that was my first business. But yeah, publishing started, my first business was 23. Wow. So you're definitely kind of always entrepreneurial. Like you always, that was your MO was to be doing something for yourself, making money. 
Yeah, I actually bumped into my old head of sixth form the other month and she told me that she knew I'd work for myself because I can't be told what to do by anyone, <laughs> apparently. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. You know, it was written in the stars. So what do you see in the next couple of years? I mean, do you have anything? I know you said you have some other projects outside of the magazine. What do you see for the magazine or yourself? Anything you're working towards? But the magazine, I mean, over the course of the last couple of years, there's been so many things that I want to do that I've written down, like launching in different cities and, you know, growing the team and all these things. And then actually I've, I've procrastinated on them for so long that I've realized that the reason I procrastinated is because actually they don't make me buzz. It's not what I want to do. So yeah. having the magazine in its current form is, is the future, just focused on London, just focused on that team of people, just growing the brand partnerships that way. So just going to carry on as we are really with that but get it to the point where it works without me mm-hmm. and then on a personal level I'm kind of trying to position myself as a personal brand um, I do a lot of speaking at universities and colleges I think it's important to kind of have the opportunity to speak to younger people and you know they're the next generation so if we can pass on positive vibes to them then we should absolutely do that so my focus really over the next year or two is just to build myself up as, as a personal brand and share any knowledge that I have to anyone that can learn from it. Yeah, that, I like that. That sounds like a great idea because <laughs> you obviously have great experience and kind of great mindset in terms of business and working with, with people. So that's great. I think, um, I mean, that's kind of the whole premise for the podcast, right? Is that I think that when we hear of other people doing cool, amazing things, it's kind of more like, oh yeah, you know, I should probably try to do, you know, the thing that I've been thinking of doing or whatever it is, or just feel like, oh yeah, I can do that. I can, or I can do this. Cause you know, I think most people who listen already do have their own business and whatever, but sometimes you just kind of always want to keep hearing other people. It's inspiring to be like, yeah, I I can, I can do this. (laughs) Let's keep going. I always think if one person can do it, then everyone can do it. Yeah. I mean, obviously you have to have a certain, you know, maybe not everybody, but not everybody, but if you, if you've, got, if you've got a passion in your belly for something, then there's no reason why you shouldn't try because what's the worst that could happen? Exactly. It doesn't work out, you know, go get a job. It's fine. It's not the end of the world. At least you know that you try because life's too short not to. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. As they say, you regret the things that you didn't do, not the things that you did. So Right. The worst that happens is that you're in the exact same place that you are right now. And yeah. you're not going to, nothing, nothing worse than that's going to happen, but at least you'll have tried and known that you either didn't like it or, you know, didn't end up wanting to do it, but at least you tried and you'll know. And yeah, exactly. have done something great. Ah, I love it. Okay. So tell us where people, I mean, you kind of already did, but wh- well, where can people find you personally? I guess we only talked about finding the actual magazine um, where people can follow you online and get to know you more personally if they want to. Yeah. So I'm just Laura Bartlett zero on all social media channels. So you can just find me there, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, anywhere you want. Oh wait. And I always ask what is one thing that you would want to share with other entrepreneurs as they're going along their journey or one thing that you wish you had known more about when you first started yours? Is there anything like that that you can share? I guess one thing I wish I'd have known is that it will probably take longer than you think. And also don't compare yourself to people on the internet because comparison really is the thief of joy. When you've got a goal and a plan, you have to remain tunnel vision on that. You can't look at what other people are doing and compare yourself because it'll take you off track. You'll start doubting yourself and procrastinating, thinking you're not good enough. You just need to do you. So I'd say put your blinkers on. Don't look at what anyone else is doing. Remain laser focused. Remember why you started. 
um, and don't compare yourself to anyone on the internet. Oh, yes, that's so good. <laughs> that's probably a good place to leave it. Thank you so much for coming on today. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the Female Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast so you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes with your favorite takeaway from this episode. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on the show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and other links are always in the show notes and we're always happy to hear from you with thoughts, ideas, or even suggestions of someone you'd love to hear me talk to on the show. You can also submit guests online at polinapr.com slash podcast. Lastly, please drop a comment on the post for this episode on the podcast Instagram at Female Millennial Entrepreneurs to let me know you listened. Tune in next time.